politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow patriots, to the one and only Conservative Review podcast here at Conservative Review's Northern Command Center on this fine Monday, October 7th, starting a new busy week after a quiet weekend. Everything kind of broke this morning. It's uh, the new term of the Supreme Court, which is really, as you all know uh, from listening to this show for years, that is everything. We only have one branch of government. They're the legislative, executive, and judicial branch wrapped into one. So uh, Congress might be at a session for two weeks, kind of after they were at a session for seven weeks. I don't get that, but I think we're all happy they're out. Um, no good can come from them being in. Uh, but it doesn't matter because all the legislation really takes place in the courts. So um, today is the start of the legislative session of the judicial branch of government. Then you have uh, the Trump administration announcing very suddenly a pullout from northern Syria, a pullout of our few thousand troops there. Whenever it's going to take place, it's not clear. And the question about, you know, working with Turkey's Erdogan to so-called partner against ISIS, the concern of the Kurds, obviously our typical news of crime and immigration and border that we've been covering. So as always, this is a time where we need conservative leadership. What does it mean to be a conservative on social issues, fiscal issues, the three branches of government and the balance of power between the courts? and Congress, national security, the border. And as always, we don't have that leadership. Now, the good news is that we're not talking about impeachment today. There's enough going on that uh, at least that's out of the news. So at least we're talking about some substance. But we really are a ship, a boat without a rudder um, when it comes to a vision. And I think we really see this with the false dichotomies, false options, false choices for keeping America safe in terms of terrorism. I want to start off with, before we get to the courts, if we don't have time today, we'll talk about some of the cases coming up tomorrow and this week, oral arguments and key uh, social transformation cases that affect us all and what to expect from the court and what it means in, in the long run beyond these cases. But I do want to start off by juxtaposing what's going on in Syria, the questions of what to do overseas to what's going on at our own border and in our visa system. And I just want to show you the problem we have with foreign policy, especially when mixed with national security, counterterrorism, is that nobody on the so-called right has given an affirmative view of what it is we should be doing, what it is we believe in. So therefore, we have this false dichotomy of anytime someone does anything, whether it's Obama, whether it's Trump, I don't like that. Don't do that. But what should we do? And then obviously you, you have, as always, intellectual dishonesty where you know people who had no problem with Obama doing a bunch of things, now Trump does it, all of a sudden it's a problem, and vice versa. Democrats will just oppose anything Trump does, even if Obama did the same thing and they had previously supported that. Um, and then you have the mainstream kind of neocon establishment Republican foreign policy. It's just like, don't pull out. OK, what, what should we be doing? What purpose are we doing? And then you have Trump doing things that we kind of agree with. But then eh, 
He doesn't do it with the proper mix of other policies as well as some of his messaging behind it that I believe hurts the true cause, the true MAGA agenda of actually shaking up our foreign policy to represent and reflect an America first policy. Now, we might want to get into Syria in more detail maybe later this week. We'll bring on our uh, national security expert, foreign policy expert, Colonel Dan Steiner. But for now, I just want to say, I just want to start off like this. The 9-11 Commission report came out in 2004, several years after the attacks, bipartisan commission. And I want you to hear these words because I think they're very stark. It is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States if they are unable to enter the country. <laughs> Just think of the simplicity yet profundity of that statement. We're so busy with, okay, send our military here, deal with the Sunnis there, deal with the Shias there, deal with the Kurds here, deal with ISIS there. Remember, at the end of the day, what are we concerned about? Someone coming here, committing a terrorist attack, they only come because of faulty immigration policies. Yet, and the, let's continue, yet prior to September 11th, while there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the United States government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. Indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa and gaining admission into the United States, border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. We believe for reasons we discuss in the following pages that it must be made one. Folks, 15 years later, I will tell you it's still not a cornerstone of national security policy. And no Republican or so-called self-declared conservative in, in, in the Senate views it as such. So I have parts I disagree with, elements I disagree with what Trump is doing when taken broadly, even though generally I myself has said we have no business in Syria and we're actually helping Iran there. We're helping um, the Iranian hegemony by clearing out the Sunni insurgency. Any pockets of ISIS shouldn't be our problem and it doesn't affect us. And if anything, it counterbalances the um, Iranian hegemony and we're just basically cleaning it out and risking our lives for free. With that said, there's, there's problems I have. But what I do have a problem with is many of us are asking, what is it that makes rhino establishment Republicans' hearts tick, their hearts beat? What is it they feel passionate about? We, we know Democrats, we see the passion all the time. We hear them pounding the lectern on um, you know, the Senate floor and the House floor on behalf of illegal aliens, on behalf of homosexual agenda, transgenderism, um, Hamas, MS-13. I mean, we know what they believe, and they're very passionate about it. But what do these milquetoast, stuffed shirt Republicans believe in? And I think we found it. Rarely do they ever come out. And all of a sudden, God opens the mouth of the donkey. I guess this case is supposed to be the elephant, but they act like donkeys. And men, Mitt Romney and Nikki Haley and Marco Rubio and all these Republican senators, we're, and Lindsey Graham, we're going to introduce a resolution on the Senate floor to reverse the president's withdrawal from Syria. How dare he do this? And see, ironically, you know, 
it's very questionable how we have troops, at least on the ground. There's one thing to do airstrikes that are imminent threats, but to have long-term troops on the ground without a declaration of war and authorization from Congress is very constitutionally dubious. But Congress doesn't care about that. They're like, how dare you pull out from a long-term operation being there for years with no understanding of a conflicting mission uh, without our permission? Whoa. Well, how did you get in there with their permission? But they're they're like, anytime there's anything, they're they're just they're just obsessed. They're just like possessed with, oh my gosh, never take a troop out of a Muslim civil war. It's dangerous. Okay, that is the one thing they feel very, they're very unified about and they're very passionate about. Mitt Romney. The, the, he said on Twitter today, the president's decision to abandon our Kurd allies in the face of an assault by Turkey is a betrayal. It says that America is an unreliable ally. It facilitates ISIS resurgence. It, it, it uh, presages another humanitarian uh, disaster. Um, you know, Rubio also get. Uh, so now Romney was retweeting Graham. Rubio gets it on the action, too. Um, where is he here? If reports about U.S. retreat in Syria are accurate, the Trump administration has made a great mistake. That will have implications far beyond Syria. It would confirm Iran's view of this administration and embolden them to escalate hostile attacks. So I, I, don't, I don't get it. How does it embolden Iran if what we're doing there is fighting the Sunni insurgency for Iran? See, th this is what they don't explain. But anyway, these people feel very, very passionate, very passionate. Um, Nikki Haley, we must always uh, have backs of our allies if we expect them to have our back. The Kurds were instrumental in our successful fight against ISIS in Syria. Leaving them to die is a big mistake. So again, before we weigh the merits of how, as always, you know, I believe the truth is always more nuanced when it comes to foreign policy. There's a lot of different multiple elements. And and this is from someone that, hey, whether you love me or hate me, you know, I'm a, I'm a pretty black and white guy. I tell you very passionately and consistently what I believe. But sometimes there's multiple elements that are true at the same time. And, you know, there's there's a, a right way of doing things and a wrong way of doing things. You could do the right things for the wrong reasons, the wrong things, for the right reasons, the right things that aren't accompanied by you know, because sometimes there's a, a right course of action, but it creates certain other negative effects and you need other policies in place to ensure that you don't uh, face the negative effects of that, it, it, there, which is why we always give a full picture of like 10 do's and don'ts in the Middle East. And the problem is you really have to do all of them so you don't look weak. Uh, and, and, you know, we'll get to. But I just first want to address, before we get back to Syria, what, what I believe about it, I just want to talk about what these establishment Republicans are doing. I don't understand. If you believe that any backing off of a military engagement in the Middle East, whether you agree with it or not, whether you understand the purpose of it or not, is going to lead to terrorism in America, then by a factor of a million you should be all over the actual immigration policies that actually determine who who comes in and is going to commit those attacks. That that that's, that should be the cornerstone of national security. 
even if you agree with some of these operations in the Middle East, they should be the additives, but not the cornerstone. They should be the, the ornaments, the side dish, not the main enchilada, as the 9-11 Commission said. But none of these people ever care about immigration. And in fact, when it comes to Romney, Haley, Rubio, those types, they're for open borders to certain to varying degrees. More refugees. I mean, this is what I don't understand. At our border right now, I have an agent who texted me over the weekend. He said on Saturday, he's in the all-critical Rio Grande Valley, which is the, you know, the most troublesome sector of the border. We had, this is what he, he sent to me. We had more gotaways than apprehensions yesterday. The border is not secure. And this is from his station. He said, so they had 41 apprehensions, 59 gotaways. Gotaways means people that based on the cameras and the footprints that they count up, people that they know uh, infiltrated, but they can't get to. And then he notes that the truth is a lot of the agents have given up on it because there's so many gotaways. They're not even counting all of them. So there's a lot more than that. And as we noted in our piece on, on Friday, it's not just Central America. The migration now is going down because they finally implemented normal asylum policies and other border policies that we were advocating for, for two years. But now they're coming from all over the globe. China. Mitt Romney claims to care about China. Uh, Rubio claims to be concerned about China. But why, when it comes to the context of immigration, they don't see a national security threat of a 98% increase in those we catch from China at the border, much less the ones that we don't catch, which is most of them, because they all run. In FY 2018, we had 1,077 Chinese. Now we have 2,133 that came this past year. And the numbers are increasing dramatically into this year. Like, for example, what I was told the first few days of October, if you would extrapolate that for the rest of the year, that would be a flow of like five, 6,000. Apprehensions. Then there's the, the, the student visas, 360,000 Chinese student visas every year. The, about 100,000, 80 or 80,000 or so green cards given to Chinese nationals every year. And again, most Chinese immigrants are good. I don't have anything against them but we have no way of vetting out the espionage. It's a known problem. We, we talked about that two weeks ago. Brazil, FY 2018, we caught 1,634. FY 2019, we caught 18,000. That's a 1,000% increase. Cuba, want to talk about national security espionage threats. FY 2018, we caught 194. FY 2019, 11,799. That's a 6,000% increase. Nicaragua, another communist country, 300% increase from 3,300 roughly in FY 2018 to 13,373 this year. Folks, it doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense. No one seems to care about it. The gotaways. You want to talk about another national security threat? Do you know that we automatically give parole to illegal aliens who marry people who serve in the military. Automatic. 
even though it's against statute, but we do it automatic. Now, parole, when you parole an illegal alien, you let them stay, it's supposed to be a case-by-case for extraordinary circumstances. Now, no one knows how many people in the military actually marry illegal aliens. Obviously, you know, for the most part, it's going to be those that are of a certain ethnic backgrounds, and these are the people they meet and they date. But I mean, a lot of them are overseas, and, and, and they pick them up there. I mean, obviously, they play up the military card. Daniel, are you going to be cruel to military? You know, people serving the military, their spouses, you're going to treat like illegal aliens. But I mean, dude, that's a big security risk. Under current law, a border agent cannot date or be married to an illegal alien. In the military, it should be the same thing. I mean, we, we want to help military spouses, but I mean, you can't have illegal aliens that aren't vetted. I'm sorry. That's a huge security problem. If you have, if you have a Chinese immigrant who serves in the military, God bless him. It's an illegal alien spouse. I mean, we got to know about that. So anyway, I bring that up because I happen to know that some good guys in the administration are pushing to get rid of this broad amnesty and the Pentagon is pushing back. And it's like, dude, you're there for national security. Don't you care? At the end of the day, we have amazing military might that at least at present, nobody could challenge our homeland conventionally through, through a military invasion. It's going to be through if it's terrorism from Islamic countries, it's going to be through immigration. If it's espionage from Cuba or China, it's going to be through immigration or from Russia. You got to be careful with that. And yet they never talk about it. Then there's the other aspect. So all of a sudden they become huge hawks on Turkey. So they're bothered. And, and I agree with this. fact. See, I don't agree with here. Here's the thing. I don't agree with our military being there because I believe it has no purpose. We're, we're getting involved in a Sunni Shiite civil war. We're actually helping Iran. But at the same time, what I don't like is that the Trump administration has been too mollycoddling of Erdogan. So they made a deal. Hey, you deal with it, Turkey, and almost giving them a green light to attack the Kurds. And I think there's a way of saying, look, we're not going to be involved in fighting ISIS there anymore because there's no purpose to it. But we're going to put Turkey on, on notice. See, right now he looks weak. What I always say is, what the neocons typically say is, if you cut and, you cut and run, you're going to look weak. But what we always say is, no, we're going to put sanctions on Qatar and go after tariff finance and kick Turkey out of NATO and all the things we want to do. And then immigration, obviously, and border security and visas and all this stuff. And, you know, you do that, you go after the Muslim Brotherhood, you don't look weak on terrorism. You look strong. You look like you're reprioritizing and using the proper tools to go after the true threats and salvaging and saving your military for what is a real threat. Obviously, you get tough on Iran and the Persian Gulf. Remember, part of why we're being weak against Iran is because we're scared of our the precarious situation of our soldiers in Syria and Iraq. Um, but... They, ironically, they're there to help I, Iran against the Sunni insurgency. That's the that's my you know way of expressing getting out of uh, getting out of Syria. But at the same time, I would threaten Turkey. I would double down on Turkey, not treat Turkey as if they're like an ally. And, and that that's where I disagree with Trump on on that point. Um, but here's the problem: 
Why is Turkey such a big problem? Why is Erdogan such a big problem? I would argue that Erdogan's a bigger problem than, than ISIS. I'll, I'll one-up Romney and, and Rubio and Nikki Haley. I'll be more hawkish than them on Turkey. I'm very hawkish on Turkey. But why are they a problem? They're a problem because Erdogan is regarded as the leader of the Muslim Brotherhood globally. You know, typically it was in the Egyptian leaders. Once we had uh, uh, al-Sisi, who, you know, was anti-Muslim Brotherhood, the center of gravity moved to Turkey. Especially with Saudi Arabia and the other Gulf states, you know, banning the Muslim Brotherhood. Turkey is the base of their operations. Erdogan funds care and Muslim Brotherhood organizations and the largest mosques in North America that are run by people that have Hamas and Hezbollah on speed dial in America. I never hear these so-called hawks on terrorism talking about anything that has to do with immigration, homeland security, and the Muslim Brotherhood. No, because that's because at the end of the day, it's all identity politics. Oh, we want to help the Kurds and help other people. What about helping ourselves? So look, I have criticism of Trump, but ironically, they'll never hit him from the right. They'll never criticize him where he should be criticized. I believe Trump, through executive order, could implement what we wanted to do through legislation a while back, is to say the following. Any country that does not have freedom of religion in their home country is not allowed to fund religion on our soil. Look, if you're a Muslim American and you want to fund a mosque, that, that's your right to do. I mean, as long as there's no, as they're not breaking any law doing that. But a foreign government doesn't have a religious liberty right to fund religion on our shores. And that's very subversive. And, and we should cut that off. We should cut that off. That's what's fanning the extremism of, you know, compounding and confounding the bad existing immigration policies where we already let in too many of these people. They're never bothered by that. They're not bothered by the record immigration we have from Turkey. Oh, we have to be a hawk on Turkey, a hawk on Iran. Oh, but then let in tons of people from Iran, but send our troops over there. I mean, this is the problem with the neoconservatives. Now, some of my colleagues, I think, are going the other way and they're so repulsed by them. They're like, oh, who cares? Erdogan's not a problem. Well, no. I think there's a way of straddling that and saying, look, we're not going to just feed the Kurds to the dogs, um, but we're not, we're not going to have an aimless mission there of just fighting the Sunnis on behalf of Assad and Russia and, and Iran. Now, at the same time, I will admit, I, 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 have, I have soured on the Kurds over the years um, just because they really don't have it together. There's a lot of infighting. There's a lot of problems. They're not as stable of a, you know, entity that we think they are. Now, some might argue that's because we didn't properly back them over the years when we could have, and maybe we could have influenced them to be better. And I think there's um, definitely merit to that, but they are where they are now. And I don't think, like, I, I, I think we need to counter Erdogan, but I don't think we need to, revolve our foreign policy around like we owe it to the Kurds type of thing. We don't owe things to anyone, but our own people. Now, if you want to make a strategic case that that is good for America, make that case. But, but, but stop with this business of it's always other people, leave our border open, bring in massive numbers of people from China and from the Middle East through student visas, green cards, learn no lessons from 
and oh, but I'm such a hawk on 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 uh, counterterrorism. Yeah, yeah, look at me. Um, just just keep our troops refereeing these Islamic civil wars while we have open borders, and then say nothing about the Muslim Brotherhood. I mean, Google Mitt Romney, Marco Rubio, Nikki Haley care Muslim Brotherhood. Have they ever said a word? I don't know, but I've never heard it. Have they ever said a word about those entities? I mean, this is the problem we live in. We live in a time. It's like, are, are you for Trump against Trump? Are you for this? Or, there's multiple different things at play. What is it you affirmatively believe in? And once you have that, then I could say, look, I, I would do this piece of the puzzle, but because he's lacking that piece of the puzzle, it kind of harms what I generally would agree with. And that's my view with the Middle East. Um, you do have to be careful with Turkey there. And I think we need to start threatening their membership in um, in NATO. I think we need to start saying, hey, hey, look, you know, part of the reason why we don't take a tougher stance is because we're like, oh, my gosh, we have our nukes in our big military base in Insur Lake, um, which is in Turkey. Uh, but, you know, let, let's let's threaten that we'll take it out. We'll move it to Bulgaria or Romania and they'll be happy to get it. And you know what? You go, you'll kill two birds with one stone because you'll screw over um, uh, Russia with that. Be a standing deterrent to that. I mean, if you want to be a hawk, which they all claim to be hawks against Putin, well, that's the way to do it. But I'm just telling you the way Trump is doing it, he does look weak. He looks like he's kissing up to Erdogan and, and they're just not properly articulating it. But Welcome to my life the last three years where, you know, there's stupid policies in place. The Trump administration finally indulges them, indulges what we want to do, but then uh, they kind of do it in the wrong way. So a uh, little bit of frustration there. But 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 again, this is what bothers me. None of these people care about our own homeland security. Let me give you an example. Let me give you an example. The Trump administration announced that they are expanding the visa waiver program. <clears throat> uh, right now, we have about 38 countries on the visa waiver program. They're expanding it to Poland. For those of you who don't know, just real briefly, visa waiver means typically most countries you come to the United States, you can't just show up at an, at an airport and say, hey, I want to tour Disneyland. I want to visit a relative. Um, give me a tourist visa or whatever. Um, no, you even for just the short term non-immigrant visa, you have to go to a consular official in your an embassy in your country. You have to apply. You have to be vetted. Um, now, obviously, you know, all things equal, we do want tourism and capitalism and, you know, we want to make it as easy as possible. So countries that we have good relations with that we know we share good data and they're going to flag things for us. We say, all right, you know, you could vacation from Great Britain. Um, to America, just like you do, like we do there, you know, you could just book a flight and expect to, if you don't have any problems, to be let in and given a tourist visa. So they expanded it to Poland. Now, the visa waiver program, folks, I mean, this is, this is the whole enchilada. I mean, that's what the 9-11 Commission talked about. Again, like, if you want to criticize Trump, criticize him for not clamping down on it and, and rather you know expanding it that's what's so frustrating like if your thing is criticizing trump which 
clearly is Mitt Romney's uh, shtick. That's his whole purpose for being in the Senate. He's not offering us anything, anything good. Um, you know, do it. Do it from the right. Now, we flagged this already in, in 2015. There was a big legislative fight. We had a couple of terrorist attacks on our soil, and there are people that had visa waivers. And the problem that we had was that you're thinking, all right, well, Daniel, it's mainly European countries. If you come from Pakistan, Turkey, Egypt, Somalia, you know, you're going to, you can't come. There, there's no visa waiver. You got to get a visa. The problem is we have secondary migration now, secondary Islamic migration. Now that Europe has become a cesspool, especially countries like France and England have become cesspools for jihadists. So the problem is that you could have Ahmad, Abdul, whatever, you know, terrorists come in here um, on nothing more than a tourist visa without having to be vetted. And, you know, really, he's originally from Pakistan, let's say, but he moved to France and now he is. That's it. I mean, he he's here. And he um, he's treated as a as a French national. He's a French passport, and you have a French passport. You could come in without um, without a uh, the the requirement for a visa, and and this this interview in your home country with a consular official. And uh, you know, obviously, Republicans never pushed anything even though even though obama is actually willing to play ball with it and this is yet one of the another thing that republicans had control for two years simple thing we needed to reform the visa waiver program and, and really put limitations on it because there is so much islamic migration from from europe now now to be fair i don't have such a beef with poland because they actually believe in sovereignty and don't bring in immigrants from these countries there is a separate problem that we do actually have a lot of Polish visa overstays in this country. So that alone should make them ineligible. Now, I'm not worried about Polish committing terrorism, but, you know, they are illegal aliens, some of them. And I think we do need to clamp down on that. But again, like they'll never mention a word. About. The prima facie terrorism, national security threat, which is. How do they get through our doors? You can make arguments of what we should and shouldn't do overseas, but the first and most important line of defense is not letting them in your country. It just, it just amazes me that we never talk about this. Never talk about this. So there's that. And, and, and by the way, I just want just to say this. I'm just looking on my monitor now, and I'm seeing <clears throat> as we're talking that Justin Amash criticizes Trump for targeting the Kurds. Now, he makes sure to say, I agree with getting out of Syria. But I mean, this is a man that in any other era, he would say, who cares about the Kurds? I mean, he's the all the way libertarian. We shouldn't be involved in anything, anywhere, any place. And he was always viewed as very consistent. But look at what this tribalism has done. Now his obsession is hating on Trump. So now he's like, yeah, you're sticking it to the Kurds. I mean, it's insane. In a million years, I would have never expected to see a tweet like that from um, from Justin Amash. I mean, that is just utterly insane. 
And, and that's the sad thing. I mean, and, and that's what you could expect that this show, irrespective of whether a policy comes from Trump or elsewhere or not, we're going to assess it the way we've always done. And sometimes it's going to be 100 percent support it, 100 percent oppose it. Somewhat of a chicken, a nuanced approach, because we have already said what we would do here. And I'm not going to sit and change that based on the players. Now, again, one of the big things with just security, I, I just want to get back to the homeland it's not just terrorism. Part of national security is not bringing in people from other countries that are a harm. And two other ways aside from terrorism are general crime, which could be pretty bad. It could be just as bad as terrorism. And then obviously public charge. So I want to get to two pieces of news. Many of you, obviously, you know, we see the same things now. Right away, you know what I'm going to talk about. Many of you have emailed me over the weekend, the story from Saturday. Yet another violent incident, this resulting in a mass murder in New York City, Chinatown, over the weekend on Saturday, where a guy who had been arrested 14 times over over 11 years, four times in just the last year, on really violent assaults, like biting someone's chest and breaking his own grandfather's nose, all sorts of issues. The guy never served doesn't appear to have served much time, if at all, in jail. Just this year, he committed these crimes, and he was out, and he's now he was arrested and is accused of going around Chinatown, taking a, a metal pipe and smashing the skulls of five homeless men, killing four of them. The fifth survived, and that's how he was identified. He was caught on video camera looking around for other victims. That's a mass murder. That's four people already. No one. Why, why don't we hear anything about it on the news? That's a big deal. You know why? Because this is a mass murder conducted with nothing more than a pipe. But what's the lesson? He was a high capacity assault repeat offender. See, that's the lesson. You could take all the guns you want away, which in New York, you can't carry a gun. There is going to be a Supreme Court case on that. We'll talk about in the coming days. Oral arguments, I believe, are this week. But you can't carry a gun. But they often get a hold of guns. And if not guns, they get a hold of pipes. And now you can't defend yourself against it. But guess what? As I, I, I know I sound like a broken record. But the media and the Democrats have everyone focused on gun control and, and mass murderers being like, you know, AR-15s. But as I noted in my article today, there have been, by my count, 942,216 homicide victims since 1966. From 1966 to 2018, almost, almost a million people killed. Only 1,196 victims have been from mass shootings. That's just 0.001%. And, and even a lot of those were handguns, too, weren't all rifles. Last year, again, just 297 homicides were committed with all rifles, much less what the left calls assault rifles. Most of them were committed with handguns, but five times as many, about 1,500 with knives, and 443, almost twice as many, with blunt objects like we see from this guy, um, Rodriguez Santos, who could have been locked up. But guess what? He was also just immigrated recently from the Dominican Republic. Now, my understanding is he does have a green card. I don't know under what circumstances, but again, this is what we're bringing into the country. You'll never hear Mitt Romney or Marco Rubio militate against 
better, you know, or demand better vetting, militate against bringing in too many criminal aliens, and uh, just in general, talk about the need to fight jailbreak. No one serves time anymore. But you, there's no passion. Where is the passion for criminal control, for immigration control? No. Let's protect the Kurds. And again, I didn't mention it before, but there is a big difference between the Iraqi Kurds and the Syrian Kurds. What we're talking about here is really the Syrian Kurds, which I'm a lot less inclined to back. They're a bunch of Marxists. You know, they're talking about, oh, look at all the great things the Kurds did. A lot, not all of it, some of them did fight ISIS valiantly, but, but a lot of that was done in Iraq. Different people, and um, <clears throat> we have to note that. But, but this is what they feel. It's like you're not allowed to care about your own people. Now, allies are important, but you have to make the right argument why they're an ally, who's the ally, what, what strategic interests we have, and why keeping two, three, four thousand troops in Syria is even going to redress that. Now, if you want to say, oh, but Turkey, but then there's other policies. We should be tough on Turkey to keep them in check. To Trump's credit, he did tweet if they do something funny, he's going to go after them. I don't know if it's a hollow threat, but I never hear that from these people. So that's that's the problem. The other thing I do want to mention briefly before we we go is that one good thing the administration did on their way out uh, on the weekend on Friday is they implemented an executive order, or at least pro uh, disseminated one, promulgated one, effective November 30th, that most people who come in requesting visas, they will be denied if they are going to be a public charge on healthcare. And what that means is, if you are coming, not for a tourist visa, but to stay here longer than 30 days, you have to show that you are either covered by some insurance, meaning either you have some international you know, traveling coverage, employer coverage, someone sponsoring you, or that you are independently going to pay for it on your own out of pocket, that you're not going to show up at America's emergency rooms and leave us with a bill. I mean, a simple proposition. I just want to note that, interestingly enough, you look in the order and the president used what? They used 212F and 215A of the INA well, we've been saying that the president has full authority to regulate or suspend all forms or any forms or some forms of immigration to any location, land, airport, whatever, if he believes it's detrimental to America's interests. So the obvious question is, I applaud them, but why aren't they doing this at the border? There's the ultimate loophole that, I mean, you're going to clamp down on legal immigrants, which I'm all for, but illegal immigrants, we still, they show up at the border. Agents tell me more of them directly say through interviews that they're coming for long-term hospital care for heart ailments for diabetes for for certainly to give birth to anchor babies and even for aids i've heard a lot more so than than even coming for bogus asylum and that's still not completely being deterred we are still paying a load of money billions of dollars for illegal aliens showing up the border so I don't know what it is about this administration that they know when to declare 212F, but don't do it in the most obvious way. But at least they're, you know, they admit that they can now use this, which, you know, we've been saying for a while. So I want to applaud that. But again, like, I mean, this is not about a scorecard of liking Trump or hating Trump. But if you're Mitt Romney and you're, you're Marco Rubio and all these people and you're really criticizing Trump over Syria, why aren't they backing him on this common sense 
immigration policy. Hey, good job. It's common sense. I want you to just to understand how far to the left we have moved. I want you guys to listen to this video clip from Hillary Clinton from 1993 when she was pitching Hillary Care, universal, you know, socialist Medicare. She actually said very clearly, we all agree illegal aliens shouldn't be paid for. Listen here. And then finally, as to illegal aliens, we agree with you that um, we do not think the comprehensive health care benefits should be extended to those who are undocumented workers and illegal aliens. We do not want to do anything to encourage more illegal immigration into this country. We know now that too many people come in for medical care as it is. We certainly don't want them having the same benefits that uh, American citizens uh, are entitled to have. At the same time, when anyone in this country gets sick, they're going to come to our hospital. Look how far the Democrats have moved over. That was Hillary Clinton. Even Republicans don't demand this now. Because again, Republicans don't feel strongly about anything other than virtue signaling on behalf of other people. But it's never about our own national security interests. Again, maybe we'll talk a little bit more tomorrow. I believe there are interests in general with Turkey and Erdogan and what he's going to do and not do. But the biggest concern is what he does funding terrorism on our own soil and immigration from these countries, which you should be worried about by a factor of a million if you're worried about, you know, the situation in these countries. And then the way to deter them is not really by having our troops referee, you know, Sunnis and Shias and actually hurt our deterrent against Iran. It's actually threatening them, kicking them out of NATO, moving our base out and um, going after Qatar and things like that. That is what we need to be doing. Maybe we'll lay that out in the outline tomorrow. So look for our articles. We're going to have many more coming. Thanks for listening. Great start to the week. Man, we didn't even get to the courts. <laughs> I could do a whole show on that. But we'll we'll get there You know, sometime this week. Uh, Till then, God bless you all. And thank you for listening.